<laughs> All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Tabernacle Podcast. Um, we are here. Cheers. As Cheers. As always, with myself, Teal. This is Phil. This is Steven. We all are a part of the staff, the worship staff here at Trinity Fellowship Church, and we cannot do the Tabernacle podcast without Trinity Fellowship Church. Um, a couple things, I was thinking about this this morning, um, to put in here, if you are looking for additional resources. So what we do on this podcast is we view a lot of stuff through the lens of worship, um, which is really awesome. If you are looking for um, a couple different options, if you're looking for a broader scope, uh, some more in-depth content, we have another amazing podcast called More Than You Asked For um, with Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Kim. It's an amazing podcast. We also have, if you are new to this whole Christianity thing, if you are new to church, if you are new to understanding what the word is about, the Bible cast, which mm. is the same time every single morning on, what time is it? Seven? Seven. Seven a.m. Monday through Thursday. Monday through Thursday on Facebook. It's phenomenal. Those Pastor Jimmy takes us through a little quick snippet that is dense but not over the top it's really great for building your foundation as a new christian or if you are trying to understand some stuff he does a really brilliant job of going kind of systematically through the books going mm -hmm. through a passage going through a concept and breaking it down to where it's very understandable for all of us so um i love both of those things and so i thought i would mention those yeah that's um, great just additional resources. Our, our church provides some really amazing resources, but uh, sometimes we provide so many good resources that it can kind of get lost in the mix of things. So if you're watching this, you should add more than you asked for and uh, add Biblecast to your list of things that you consume. You will not, you won't regret it. It's gonna be, it's, it's gonna change your life. So with that being said, Welcome, gentlemen. I think Thanks. we're landing the plane today. I think we got it. Part there five. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> there's a chance. You're saying there's a we're chance the bird that down. We, could be, we could land we're it today. The bird down. I'm going to do everything in my power to extend it one more episode. <laughs> Golden rats. Golden rats. <laughs> yes. If you were not, if you didn't catch last week's episode, go listen to it. I had my mind blown. Okay. I didn't know about some stuff. It was stuff. interesting. It was interesting. As long as I've been working in church, I'd not hear the story about the golden tumors and the golden rats. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Check it Full out. Stop. Check it out. This is, yeah. Anyways, so let's jump into it. Yes. Uh, Phil, let's uh, let's let's take this bird. Let's take right. this bird home. Okay. Um, it kind of feels like you know when you're coming into land and the pilot is like, uh, we're going to be descending into the Dallas Fort Worth area soon. If you please put your trays in their upright positions and your seats upright and buckle up. That's today. So here we go. Um, we've been talking about lyrics a lot. And we talked about, just to overview, good lyrics in the beginning. And and the first episode, which is probably one of my favorite parts, you should go back and listen, um, why we love songs so much. It's a reflection of who God is. Good lyrics, not great lyrics. And then now we're going to dive into, okay, so we've been talking about not great lyrics and songs that are, and you've heard them, uh, the average person all the time. I can't tell you guys how many times, I'm sure you guys get this a lot. Someone just comes up to you and is like, hey, I heard this song, you know, uh, either on at a church, on the radio, whatever, and something just seemed like not... Like, it just seemed off. And I've written songs like that. Um, I've led songs like that. Yeah, sure. um, so that brings up another 
portion of what we talked about was the life of David, King David, and how he progressed and grew up <coughs> as a songwriter. His songs became more and more about Jesus and God's glory and his faithfulness and the character and nature and attributes of God, which is what we want to be glorifying, mm-hmm. and not ourselves and our problems. Does God minister to our problems and want to step into them? Absolutely, all the time. Um, but what are we glorifying and what are we magnifying and what are we leading people into? It's a big deal. So, um, today we're going to talk about, so this slide here says, okay, Phil, what then do you think is at the root of the problem we have with lyrics? And to just give it away, uh, I, I believe it's narcissism and everybody struggles with narcissism. I just want to say that as we step into this, this is not something like, oh, we've got it all figured out and there are narcissistic people out there that we need to be uh, aware of. They're dangerous. No, not at all. Everybody and anybody has the potential and the ability and has at one point or another, or maybe even right now, is struggling with this um, over-the-top selfishness being consumed about yourself looking inward looking at yourself making yourself the center of everything all the time and that is narcissism and we're going to break down to uh, the psychoanalysis of it and it is fascinating when you look at the what psychology defines narcissism as and what it has to say about it Um, i was talking to another really well-known songwriter um, about this recently and he he actually brought up narcissism and i was like oh my gosh you you think that way too um, and how that creeps into our songs and our messages and where we're at. And, and, and I just want to say, too, this is also another reason why if you are a worship pastor and you know, because we all know, if you, and you know, um, or you're writing songs or in anything in the church and you're any kind of leadership, and you know that you're not in a healthy place in your soul. You're not in a place where you're able to give to people, serve people, love people, shepherd people, because you realize or write good songs or lead good worship that's God-centered, but you find yourself, I just want to, like, I've got issues, I've got problems, blah, 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 get help, um, get get counseling, get therapy, get healed, get whole, because as we pursue Jesus and we're whole and we're healthy, um, we're going to be able to serve others better and love others better and shepherd people well, lyrically and practically. So... Uh, with that being said, um, I just would love to jump into the definition of narcissism and we can open it up. So slide 35, uh, the definition of narcissism is excessive interest in or admiration of oneself. And we see this a lot in scripture. Paul, actually, there are literal instructions, literal instructions in the Bible. And granted, some of them are culturally relevant and don't apply to like literally today, but about humility, how we should carry ourselves, how we should treat others, even how we should dress. Like there are a lot of instructions um, that are anti-narcissistic in scripture and point to this thing that we've been talking about in the last few episodes about songwriting, about like, um, I'm, I'm a part of a unit. I'm a part of a body and Christ has come And now I get to die to myself, not glorify myself. I get to die, and as I die, Jesus is is who comes alive in me. And it's his life that's being lived out in me and in my songs. Um, The psychology of narcissism. Oh, this is so good. Selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration as characterizing a personality type. And this is the one I really want to hone in on here, the psychoanalysis of narcissism. 
And you will see this in a lot of lyrics. Self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish yourself, the self, from external objects. And I, and I put in here, when you fail to distinguish God as holy or otherly. Hmm. And it says, this is found either in very young babies or as a feature of a mental disorder. So I want to hone in on it, very young babies. And just say, sometimes a song is written or gets out there or whatever, and it has these tendencies that are kind of, you know, they're just selfish. It is what it is. I've written them before, too. Um, and it's a sign of, oh, a baby Christian wrote this. Literally. Mm-hmm. So I, I see that with my, I have two 10-month-olds. It's crazy at my house right now. Uh, but fun, but crazy. And we have a son and a daughter, two babies at once. And, man, we walk into the other room. For five seconds, they start freaking out. You know, there is just an unawareness of, and and that's the way it's supposed to be as a young baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we grow in the Lord, um, there's there's a maturing. Um, the Greek word teleos, which is to be a full stature of Christlikeness, that God calls us up to, and we need to get to a place and grow in a place where God's not like holding us like a baby. But we're, we're walking side by side with the Lord, and we can say, like Paul said to uh, Timothy, I believe, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, there's a pattern that's set there. Um, and lyrically, that should affect our songs mm-hmm. and the words that we're writing and what we're, what we're putting pen to paper on. Um, and, it, and it becomes less self-centered arising from failure to distinguish the self from objects and more oh my goodness, this is all about Jesus. And he's holy. Hmm. And he is otherly. You know what I'm saying? And and it's either found in very young babies where we grow up in full stature with Jesus um, or as a feature of a mental disorder. I don't even want to go into the mental disorder thing. I really want to hone in on um, very young babies because that doesn't apply, the mental disorder thing. But anyways, so hmm. gentlemen, hmm. Well, this what is, do you guys think? This is really interesting because that last part of that, um, the... Um, read that part where it's like it can't distinguish the self from external yes. objects. It's so good. That's the psychoanalysis of narcissism. So this is fascinating to me because, you know, we, from a leadership standpoint in the way that we even run the internship, we talk about the internship a lot. We spend a good amount of time in the internship helping drive home the point you are not the things that you do. Right? So, mm-hmm. hey, you auditioned and you got chosen, right? Oh, now this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. because I am this thing. Your calling. It's my calling, right? right? And right. I will say probably one of the harder things is distinguishing this, uh, this, this very kind of murky idea of calling yeah. or my purpose or my <clears throat> destiny. The other thing, you know, if, uh, if we have younger listeners uh, that are hip to cool lingo, this has also been uh, distinguished as main character syndrome, is that yeah. I'm the center of this bigger story. Yeah. And these things are, you know, about my destiny, Man. my choices, like, well, what about me kind of thing. Now, the problem is, is like, we would say, yeah, yeah, I mean, that happens to a lot of other people, but not me. Well, in church, it's even harder to distinguish it 
because we can get these things all muddled in with this big calling of, you know, the Great Commission. You know, we've weaved in our uh, our identity connected to the thing we do, and this thing that we do is also connected to this really amazing big picture of of God doing things and where we get to be a part of it. But uh, going back to okay, so you you come in, you don't you you are struggling with your identity, right? So you come in audition. You get chosen, great. I'm a part of the worship team. I'm developing a bit of an identity, right? Mm. I'm, I'm a part of the worship team. Okay, so over some time, uh, hey, why don't you go serve an extreme? Hey, I'm getting scheduled in an extreme uh, a lot. I am the extreme worship leader, right? We have a ministry called Extreme. I'm not like, you're not- Fifth an and sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, you're not an extreme <laughs> worship leader. But <laughs> as we move through those things, so then we go from that, now you're leading worship at students, as we move through these things and as we improve and as we're being called up, there's a very natural tendency to start attaching our value and our identity to those things. Mm. And then the problem is, which we see this a lot, and we've all experienced it, all three of us have experienced this over and over again, something changes. Hey, uh, it's really not working out anymore Yeah. to have you here. Wait, what? Yeah, I think we're just going to go in a different direction. Hang on a sec. What am I supposed to do? This is my calling. You're trying to keep me from my calling. You're trying to keep me from it. You see, you see how weird. This is my destiny. It's, it gets Ricky Bobby. It gets, <laughs> I built my life on this. <laughs> I built my life on that. You know, but this not being able to distinguish your identity from your external items yeah. is a big part of the baby Christian face. Yep. Right. So we are lost. Uh, some, some event happens in our life. Things get really messed up and we realize, Oh my gosh, the, what I'm doing is not working. So the baby Christian comes to church, man, I feel so much better. I feel so much different. Yeah. So, okay, great. This is the thing that fixes, you know what I'm saying? So we, then we sign up for everything. All those things are good. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that in doing all of those things, we can still be missing the thing that we need the most, which is Jesus. Right. For sure. And so the, the, and we've, we run into these and this isn't like a critique on church culture, but you can have people that kind of, uh, like to hang out in the lobby of the, of the, of the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just going to bounce from, you know, kind of small group to small group. And, uh, you know, I really wasn't, wasn't really being challenged in that small group. So I'm going to go to this other small group and I don't really feel like I'm connecting with the leader of the greeter team. So I'm going to go to the parking lot team and they just, we just kind of shift around. We're just moving. Same thing with worship is worship musicians. God bless them. Have a really bad tendency where it's like, man, I just don't feel like I'm being used like the, you know, the way I'm supposed to be. So I'm going to go check out this other church or, you know, I don't, I only get to play a couple times a week and this other church really wants me to come play. All of those things are indicative and can be symptoms of having these narcissistic tendencies of, well, what about me? Yeah. What's my, supposed to be happening calling. with me? My yeah. calling. My, my purpose. My, my identity. Role, yeah. You know, what, what, what's my role in this? Uh, nothing, really. Which is hard. That's probably the hardest <laughs> pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I bring a very, you know, I, I, nobody plays guitar like me. Uh, I don't know. You know. <laughs> and hear somebody say that to you, like it, it's one of those, like in that moment, it's like a, a crushing and, de- and deflating thing, but it's really the most loving thing someone can say to you. Cause if you continue on that path, 
you're going to continue to seek that affirmation wherever you go mm-hmm. and it's not going to be enough and then eventually at some point someone's going to you're going to age out your ability is going to mm-hmm. go away and then at that point um what are you what are you building on at that point um one thing that was really interesting too is like the um you mentioned main character syndrome i think you know we talked about this in the internship too like reading scripture uh, as a story um and by nature we're all born with narcissistic tendencies to think that we are the main character and that's what we think by nature i think and then sure. you know we hear the gospel and it's like oh there's something better than this story I've been telling myself about my purpose mm-hmm. and identity and role in this world. Mm-hmm. There's something better. God created me for a purpose. He has plans for me. Uh, he loves me. He's reached out to me and demonstrated his love by Jesus dying on the cross for my sin. I'm going to give my life for him. Uh, and it's easy, you know, to, to step in the door in that moment and, you know, accept that that's the true story of reality. Then as time goes on, you kind of, uh, the story might be, okay, well, now that I'm here, God, how can you help me fulfill my desires and my dreams and mm-hmm. my pursuits? You said you have good plans for me. You have things for my future. Um, we can still use God as a means to an end to to getting what we think we want, yeah, it's a very good which point. might be That's you know the, the main platform. It might be playing playing worship guitar for for whoever for an artist or recording mm-hmm. for for so and so, but. Ultimately, the Lord loves us too much to let us continue. And there's, there's those circumstances that come up of where God puts his finger on our heart. Sure. Like, hey, what's going on right now? You know, you didn't get the thing that you thought you wanted. Mm-hmm. Are you going to come to me? Are you going to die to that thing? Or are you going to continue to per- pursue it elsewhere and try and open a door that I'm trying to close? Are you going to try and find another place to go and, and exercise your giftings? Or are you going to sit down for a minute and let me tell you who you are really um so it's just really interesting to 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 think about you know the bible being god's story and how we fit into it right you know mm-hmm. we should read the bible that way if you don't read the bible that way it, it's all about god right the the story jesus is the main character. the gospel yeah the gospel is all about all about jesus all about um god's plan of salvation through jesus applied by the spirit uh and it all points back to the father it all points back to god and glorifying him uh and we find our purpose and identity in that yeah. But we don't find our purpose and identity whenever we use God as a means for personal or self-fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a critical distinction there between those two things, a world of difference. It sounds just like words, but there's a reality, two, two different realities that you're living in. Um, and, of course, there's a process. You know, you're born again as a baby. You have to mature into these things, and mm-hmm. it takes time to do that. But um, we're talking about two different things, even though they exist in the same church building. You know, these, sure. these two, two realities exist here and exist on our worship teams, exist in our churches. Um, so it's just important to to distinguish between those two. Is God the main character or am I? Mm-hmm. Well, in the motive, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Motive matters. This was a uh, an amazing um, songwriting session that Leland took us through, not this last summer, last summer before. Summer, the one before. Yeah. And that became the theme of the entire internship was motive matters. Um to your point that, and this this may not be the greatest example, but I, I was thinking of it. If I invite people over to my house and I cook a meal in hopes of I want them to tell me mm. that I'm a good chef, I'm using the art of cooking and the joy of it. And them. And them <laughs> to inflate myself, to, to fill in something that's missing. The other side is, hey, come over. I'm just... I just love cooking 
and I want to do it. They look exactly the same. Yes, the action's the, the same. But the thing that you can't see, mm. the motive is the thing that's mm -hmm. determining. Because then everybody leaves, and if it was if the motive's in the wrong place, guess what? Doesn't matter how many people told you how amazing that dinner was. I've never eaten anything like that. It's the greatest thing I've ever eaten. You mm. go to bed and you're like, well, so and so didn't really say anything. Sure. I wonder, I wonder sure. if, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. These are things, and I, I'm, I'm telling you this as a uh, as a recovering narcissist, as I think all worship leaders <laughs> and worship musicians <laughs> really struggle with this. You know who you are. Because there's a here's the thing that's hard <laughs> yeah. about this with worship music. There there are some there are some benchmarks that are like that that was done well, right? If I play my guitar and it's out of tune the whole time, someone can come up and say that could have been better. That was not great. Or if I'm singing and I'm out of time or I forget the lyrics, like there are some benchmarks that say that was good. Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, if we're not, mm -hmm. if we're, if we're still inviting people over to eat our food so that they'll tell us how good we did, there becomes a point that it's almost like a drug of its own. Mm -hmm. You get done with every single worship set and you're like, well, pastor didn't say anything. I wonder if he hated it. Mm -hmm. Am I gonna get fired? No compliment to like Oof. I guess it wasn't that good. What do we what do we gotta do to make it good? I got I gotta like it it becomes this weird fix and this addiction to I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I got sure. like because something's missing inside of me. And for a quick second, that compliment from the right person, the you know, the big guy, if he gives me the right compliment, okay. My identity's all, all right. wrapped. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like there's a yes. And I will say too, um, you know, if you're on social media for more than about ten minutes, you're going to run across some post about narcissism. It's probably one of the buzzwords, huh? buzziest words that are out there right now. I think the distinction that we're making is that there there are there are narcissistic tendencies in people that are unhealthy things that they live their life by this. What we're trying to determine here is our walk with the Lord. Is the Lord constantly trying to identify some things that need to shift? Selfishness is a part of that. Yes, and I, I think that's that's a really big distinction of this is that our walk with the Lord is to constantly stay sensitive so that the Lord can say, "Hey, let's not do that." Mm -hmm. was it, was that that's the selfish thing. Let's not just pack your stuff up, go out the back door. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I you know I want to see what everybody thought. Let's just do that this time. You know what I'm saying? Those <laughs> yeah. are opportunities. That's not to say that you now are labeled, oh, he's a narcissist, but that's a narcissistic tendency. There's a selfish motive in it. I want to know what people, I, I need that. I need that hit. And the Lord, I think, is constantly trying to identify things in us where he's like, hey, let's not. You're broken. Yeah, like It's our labor, right? <laughs> yeah. We talk about this a lot. We talk about all the different stops in the tabernacle. The journey of worship. Mm. This is the labor moment where the Lord comes to us and says, Hey, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about why you need to get off the stage and come straight down mm. and wait in line to see the pastor to make sure that you did a good job. I want to talk about that. Well, it's not that big of a deal. I just want to make sure that they like it. I want to talk about that. Why did you know what I'm saying? Right. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Those are things that I think in this, like, yes, we are talking about narcissism in songwriting but this is so pervasive in all kinds of areas sure that sure. that if there's a weed of that in the in the flower bed it's not just like oh i only had weeds right here no there's a high chance you can pluck it and it's going to show up somewhere else you got to spray the whole bed we got to we got to address mm -hmm. the entire bed yeah because 
you know? Golly. So, so as you were saying that, it made me think of like, okay, well, say, for example, someone is coming in and there's something in their life that they're, the Lord's challenging on and we're singing narcissistic lyrics to kind of comfort and, you know, mm-hmm. validate their feelings. The Lord's convicting them of something. And they're like, if we're singing narcissistic lyrics to them in that moment, whenever they're coming in, they need to be renewed. They need to, uh, to hear the gospel. They need to be changed. Right. And, and to hear, you know, if we just affirm how they're feeling without actually giving them the truth of who God is or, or who God's called them to be, Band-Aid I think, on a gunshot I think we're doing the, the church sure. a terrible disservice yeah. and in fact, you know, um, harming people yep. uh, and not telling them the truth and calling them up to, instead of just saying, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give you this little piece of comfort. Jesus loves you, uh, w- w- which is true, right? I'm not, sorry, I'm not trying to mock the the statement, Jesus sure. loves no, you. Sure, I know what you're saying. Uh, but, you know, um, having a song that just talks about, you know, is very, is very emotive. It makes me feel good. Isn't what I need whenever, um, God wants to do something deeper in me and has yeah. pulled me in, into a labor moment, uh, where he's trying to, to point out a sinful behavior or, or attitude in my heart. Can I say deeper in the kingdom always comes after death yeah. in one way or another. Sure. Dying to yourself. That's a very good point. Carrying your cross. Jesus said, that's the way to follow me. And Paul said, I die every day. And that's the way forward. And that's Mm -hmm. that's a um, not popular message today in songs. Hmm. It's just not. Yet yet it's the kingdom of God. And that's the truth of God's word. And until you're talking about the cooking thing, about how um, if I'm inviting people over, how I'm gonna make this awesome meal so that they're like, "This was so good, right?" So you, right? Mm-hmm. And you said something. You were like, "Well, then, what if I just instead made a, a meal to just have them over and hang out and love on them?" And and you you said, "Nobody can see uh, the motive. The motive is an invisible thing." So my question is to everyone listening: What? are you building that no one can see except for you? Yeah. Because in the kingdom, the only things that last are the things that are built from a motive of God be glorified. Mm -hmm. This is for your glory, Jesus, whether it's for people, for him, for, you know, in line with our career or calling, whatever it has got to be from a place of, and that that brings up another thing too, like, <laughs> and another this, thing. This is this is narcissism is medicating. When we're talking about this, when we're talking about I need this to fill this void, something's broken there. Yeah, something is hurting. Something is bleeding. Something is off, mm-hmm. and that something does not need like an aspirin. Or a Tylenol, it needs Jesus to get in there, and it needs the kingdom of God to get in there and do some serious, life-changing work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, lo- and to that point, the only—I'm just thinking about this—the only way for the Lord to be able to ter- to determine if something is healed or needs to be healed is asked to be submitted to Him. Mm-hmm. So it's your litmus test: is that thing submitted? I don't mm-hmm. think it's that big of a deal that mm-hmm. it's not submitted. Mm. Oh, dude, it's not like I'm just coming down to talk to everybody. It's not submitted. It's off the cross. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, like there's a, there's a part of that, that the only way that the, the, the Lord's got the final say. So the Lord's going to determine whether that thing's submitted or not. And the only way that he can make that determination 
is if you submit it to him. Hey, I love playing on the weekends. I love playing guitar, but I want to make sure that what I'm doing is submitted to you. I want to put this before you. Is this getting in the way of me and you? Have I put this ahead of you? Instead, the other side of that could just be like, oh man, I'm doing it for the church. It's awesome. Like, I mean, it's better doing it here than at the bar. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can talk yourself into that and that's not it being submitted. Now I'm not saying that we have to like every single day, like, well, is it submitted today? Is it submitted today? But it's the Lord having the, you know, we've all had moments with our parents where our parents kind of body check us a little bit where they're like, Hey, and you're like, you bow up real fast. And you're like, well, that's clearly an area we need to discuss. You know, your parents are like, that doesn't, that's not good. Like that's not submitted. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I just asked to check your phone and you're throwing like a giant and you're like, Whoa, is, well, okay, I definitely need to check your phone now. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. you know what I'm saying? Like sure. there's a part of that in this context is that to, to, to know that if something is submitted, it's got to actually be submitted to the Lord. He's the one, he's the only one that can make that clear black and white distinction of whether it's submitted or not, because right, we're, we're biased. You know, the year, so when I was 19, I started playing here when I was 16, playing in the chapel band, but I got, I got added to the team when I was about 19, right before I turned 19. And there was a run there of time where I played six services a weekend. Um, I was playing constantly. That was just weekend services. That was not youth services. That wasn't special stuff. I mean, I was just playing all the time. And there was a run for about a year and a half where I would just play. And as soon as I was done playing, I packed my stuff up and I would leave. Mm -hmm. That was a huge area for me that was not submitted. I had no problem with that. Like there was no conviction in my spirit. I was like, yeah, man, great. I'm here all the time. Yeah, I know what they're talking about. This guy's sermon. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, whatever. There was a huge part of me that was unsubmitted. Like that area, Absolutely. I I knew I was not going to give that to the Lord because I knew the Lord would be like, uh, duh, uh-huh. like where that's, that's not even close. <laughs> and it wasn't until a kind mentor in my life was like, hey, when's the last time you came to service? And I just straight up lied because I knew. I was like, oh, I think, I, you know, it was the last couple of weeks. And they're like, no, you didn't. At that point, red flag, right? <laughs> and the kind thing was, is like, I, they weren't trying to make an issue out of it. But again, like when your parents check you on something, like, I start to lie about it. I start sneaking. They're like, we clearly have an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to talk about this. Yep. You're not going to play for a while. You're burnt out. You need to take a little bit of a break. And man, it, it was hard. Like, I bucked it. I didn't like it. I was mad. Um, I was not about that. Because the whole thing was about me. I was in that moment, I was serving and playing guitar on the weekends and I was doing all that stuff for Teal. There was no part of it that was doing that for the Lord. Now, again, we go back to the example of cooking to get admiration or cooking out of genuine joy. I was doing it because every time I got done, somebody would be like, man, great lick, great part. Man, that was super cool. Like it was just this like, you know, and six services, man, I was walking out of there High on narcissism, like nobody's business. I, was I a am junkie. pretty good. I am pretty good. This is pretty awesome, man. You know. Sure. So I say so all of good. that because it 
in order for the Lord to make the distinction if something is submitted or not, or it needs to be healed or not, or if it has been healed, it has to still be submitted. And there are those areas that were like, I was not interested in the Lord getting involved. Man. Absolutely. Because I knew it. Like, I knew. You know, that's why I cringe going back and reading some of my songs that I wrote when I was in my early 20s, because it's like, oh, oh me my too. gosh. these, And I would do them in service. Right. I was playing them, having kids sing them. And I look back and I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh. What were, you, what were you writing? But they weren't submitted. Like, it wasn't, like, none of it was, I wasn't turning that over to the Lord. I was like, yeah, pretty good. Listen, some clever lyrics pretty there. Good. Great, <laughs> great verse. <laughs> great. Man, that verse sounded really cool. It reminds me of something. I, I had a little season where I lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, uh, moved in with my grandparents. It was awesome. And and that's when I really started getting super serious about music stuff and songwriting and whatever. And um, one day, like, I mean, so clear, God immediately at, at church, he was like, hey, I want you to take a break. Like, and I, I knew it was God. And I was like, oh, man, what do you mean? Like this is the first. <laughs> this is a, start negotiating. You knew, negotiating you the terms. He, yeah. you already knew what he meant. You're like, yeah. what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. How long? When? Yeah. Hey, like next. next and like next year. And we were doing some cool stuff there. It was it was a fun season and um, first time working with like real songwriters and you know just it's just it was just a fun season and I just I did it I just quit cold turkey and. I'll never forget this this couple came up to me, real sweet people, and I think they meant well, but they literally they they said, um, "Hey, after I came back and was was playing again after I don't know a month or two or three went by, and they're like, don't do that again." And I was like, "What?" And they're like, "You never sacrifice your gift for God," and I mm. went, "Hmm," <laughs> I was like, "Isn't that the point?" Yeah. Isn't isn't that and so it, <laughs> can you please give me a biblical reference? Yeah. Is there a scripture reference that says that? But there's a lot of places Talent that have that obedience. Oh wait, never mind. That's <laughs> hey, first first opinions. Yeah, that's first first. first, first. <laughs> hey, I love this mic, by the way. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> this is like, like oh. it. <laughs> but uh, there's so many so many places that have that mentality. People that have that mentality, and it is like your calling and your gift, as awesome as it might be. And by the way, it's not that awesome. Wait till we hear angels. You know what I'm saying? Like, no human. Like, we just have no idea what's waiting for us in heaven and the music there. So we'll just, just throwing that out there. Jacob Collier is going to sound like an ant in heaven. Like, amen. just saying. Said amen to that one. So anyways, um, he's a genius on here. But anyways, it brings, it brings to mind, though, the life of David. So David messed up at a lot of turning points in his life. But one thing he always did right was he always kept this open hand and submission to God with everything, even when he was like the king. And it brings to mind the story of Absalom. Mm. And David, I mean, if there's anybody that has a right to be like, no, this is mine, I'm keeping this, it would probably be the guy that God, through Samuel, anointed to be the king of Israel. Like, you're the king. 
Why, why are you abdicating or, or surrendering, walking away from this? But if you read those, those passages, David, you can kind of see this dialogue, whether he's talking to the guy that he sent to um, kind of as a plant to go hear what was going on and, and put some um, uh, advice in his son's ear that he knew would, be, would, would work against him and hopefully save him. Um, cause David did not want Absalom to die by the way, which is right. crazy. Uh, and so you see this dialogue with David where he's like, let's let God be God and have his way. If God wants me to remain King, he will let me remain King, but I don't need to force that. And with your gift, your calling, your purpose. And let me just say this. It's God's gift, God's calling, God's purpose. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And he'll fulfill it. And the the best posture we can take is like David of I surrender all and let the Lord do it. And it's way more enjoyable too. Let me just say that if you're cooking when your friends come over because you love them and you just want to have a good time, it is so much more fun than the self-medication of narcissism and doing things and everything for affirmation and to look awesome and be awesome and to try and bandage those gunshot wounds in your soul. Uh, life is just mm. much more enjoyable yeah. surrendered. And people, I think the people, we, the thing that maybe we don't give enough credit to the people around us know when that's happening because <laughs> it's off putting when I know someone is kind of floating around to get some affirmation. It just, it like, I just do this where I'm just like, yeah, that doesn't. I don't want to do that. That's like, how you, well, it's how you love them well in that moment. Like to to feed them, you know, um, yeah, it wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be loving. Oh man, well I had that. I mean, that same season that I was talking about, like that, there was a big part of me that needed that affirmation, and no one even like specifically like pulled me aside and said like, hey, it seems like you need affirmation. There was just a very clear. People were like. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. You walk up after service, like, and like people is like the, bad, the guy with bad breath. Everyone's like, I'm out. That keeps scooting closer to you. Yeah. yeah. As you try back up and you're like, no, man, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here for that. <laughs> but it just, it becomes one of those things because it gets exhausting for the other people. So like the people that, you know, in this hypothetical people coming over to eat, no one can enjoy their meal. Cause they're like, how many times do I have to compliment you before you'll like, just relax, like sit down and eat with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just this, like, well, what do you think? How'd you, what'd you think of that? Just uh, check out this. And you're just constantly trying to like one up it. And then people are eventually like, man, this is exhausting. Like this is a lot of work just to come over and eat. Like I'm out. Mm -hmm. And those songs, I mean, we keep coming back to this idea, but those songs are exhausting after a while. Yeah. Because we, we have a tendency to write them in a hard season. And then the natural progression of life is you move out of that. And then you come back to visit and you're like, I don't want to sing that, you know, like mm -hmm. that doesn't, that feels weird to put that back on. Like, hmm. on, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but like, like, because it was so subjective, right? It was so, so, so much about that one moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like a, um, like a clothing trend, you know, yeah. for like a, for yeah. like a year, there's a thing that's a thing. It was so comforting and therapeutic in the oh, moment, man. whenever you're writing it and singing it and leading it, you're like, this is it, man. Then you come back a year later and you're like, skinny jeans are out. 
this this doesn't fit anymore. This <laughs> it doesn't fit anymore, and I feel I it doesn't feel like me. It feels like I'm I'm being a fraud, right? Um, Whereas like this. a timeless biblical, you know, Christ-centered song, sure, the truth is timeless, right? You can sing it, Amazing Grace, and we mm-hmm. have sung Amazing Grace for centuries, yeah. uh, and, and we'll continue to sing it for centuries. Yeah, you sing a song like Ten Thousand Reasons, and it it works no matter what season people are in, yeah, because it's not about you. It's not conditional. Right. Mm. You know, and you he, aren't in there at all. No, praise God. <laughs> right. Those are the songs that people need. Cause I think ultimately people find their way into church because a bunch of stuff hasn't worked. Mm. And so if sure. they get there and stuff hasn't worked and then, and then we're singing songs that are all about them, they're going to be like, man, I'm the one that got myself into this mess. I need some different mm. clothes. I give me some different. Yeah, okay. give me some. I came here to get me, something different. I don't right. need me. I need new clothes. Yeah, I, don't I, need, need to. I need something new. I got to get out of this junk. <laughs> yeah, I don't need my clothes scrubbed and washed. And yeah. you know, I need a, I need a new garment, which is Christ, right? Yep. I want to read this 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 13. Um, and this applies to songs because in a way, I'm not going to say in a way, when we write songs, we are pastoring people. Absolutely. We are teaching people. We are sometimes even prophesying what God's going to do. We're evangelizing. Sometimes we're even apostolizing, however that that works. So those are the fivefold gifts I just referenced, and that's kind of what Paul's talking about here, um, and the kingdom of God and serving the Lord. So he says, now if any man, I'm going to read this a little different. Now if any man uh, writes a song, on this, upon this foundation, whether it is gold, silver, or precious stones, things that don't decay, things that are eternal, or wood, hay, or stubble, every song shall be made manifest for the day when Jesus comes back, and sometimes you see it even before he comes back, shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's song and reveal what sort it is. And that's what we're talking about here. You know, you have, there are a lot of wood, hay, and stubble songs. And then there are the wonderful gold, silver, and precious stone song. And I just want to say everything in this world will decay and die off at some point. But that's the beauty of being a part of the kingdom of God because everything in that world and Jesus and his word will last forever. So what do you want to write your songs on? I'm going with gold, silver, and precious stones. Forget the wood, hay, and stubble. Yeah. Yeah. Songs that get people out of their self-centeredness yes. into a God-centered, God-saturated yes. worldview. Yeah. Ah. Yes. That's what it's all about. I mean, that's, yeah. That's how you can help the, the broken, the hurting, the lost is, is by getting them out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Not by affirming them where they're at. I mean, comfort them where they're at, give them hope, but point them up, point them to Jesus, point them. Oh my them. gosh, man! Like that's mm-hmm. I, I think I think about every season of life that I decided to maybe get in shape or like make some changes in my life. There was something that was facing me that said, "This isn't it." Like, and if somebody had come along, and be like, "No, man! Like that's great how it is." It's totally fine. Yeah, just keep buying bigger clothes. You know, just let's sit around the couch more. It's totally fine. That's not what I'm looking for in that season. I knew something inside of me 
was saying, we got to, we got to shift, man. <laughs> Something's got to change. And so that, that thing, when people are coming in and then we're, I mean, I want to be careful the way that I say that there is a context of meeting people where they're at, but their desire is something, something in me. I want this to change. I don't want to be me anymore. I don't want to be this version of what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so when they come in to then meet them with potentially songs that are like, no, nah, man, it's great how you are. They're going to be like, well, mm-hmm. how do I reconcile that? Cause yeah. I don't feel that way. Right. Like, I know something inside of me is saying that something's got to change. Something's got to shift. And now you're telling me with these songs that it's okay. And that God loves me just the way that I am, which he does. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but you, you're like, right. Does right. that make sense be, what I'm sure, saying? Like the, sure. the, our songs could be sending counterintuitive messages to somebody that's coming in and being like, I got to do something different. Right. This situation here is not working. I need something different. Mm-hmm. And that's the call of discipleship, ultimately. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we write songs that reemphasize the ideas of discipleship, not just, oh, I'm going through a hard time, I feel bad? You know? Absolutely. Jesus was constantly with his disciples of like, okay, now what are you going to do? Hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, but I screwed that up. Okay. Let's go. Right, right. You know, Peter said something stupid, and the Lord corrected him. Well, I feel dumb. Let's go. We still got stuff to do. There's like this, this, this thing that God pulls up inside of us, this desire, and that narcissistic thing basically is trying to counteract that, which is... The enemy has a desire for us to be selfish, to be self-focused. Absolutely. Self-centered. Because if our focus is on us, our focus can't be on the Father. Totally. Ding, so, ding, 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 so ding, ding. He can keep us inwardly beating ourselves up, being apathetic, all of these kinds of things, low self-esteem, all these kinds of things, and we're constantly inwardly focused. We can't ever get our heads up and actually look at the Father and be like, oh my gosh, that was it the whole time. Right, right. Guys, that's a highlight. Talon, <laughs> that's a highlight. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, do you want me to go to the next? The next slide is yeah. yeah, So slide thirty-six. I'm going to read those definitions. Those three different types of definitions of narcissism, and then I'm going to list some just random blurbs and how it relates to songs today. So the definition of narcissism again is excessive interest or in or admiration of oneself. Many worship songs today center around the person singing the song much more than around Jesus. Kind of what Dill was just talking about. I am very guilty. We all are. But worship, by definition, being what it is, should not at all be like this. Mm-hmm. Amen. Bingo. There you go. All right. The psychology of narcissism. Selfishness involving a sense of entitlement or a lack of empathy. Many worship songs today, and this is funny, if you do this little litmus test and just think about this as you listen to songs, uh, sound like we are in control of God, like we're the dictators or shot callers with what God does and how he does it, or you put it like this, A plus B equals C. My worship, God's way in the Bible equals I will get some breakthrough for this whatever thing doesn't work like that. 
<laughs> I mean, there's there. Yes, there is truth to that, but God is God, and I love the I love the story, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, and the visuals in that story. You should go read it. Or Hind's Feet on High Places is another one. Um, in fact, on Amazon now, there's a Pilgrim's Progress animated movie, yeah, and it's really good. unbelievable. And it just talks about, and this is all over scripture, but the nitty gritty reality of Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. He promised it. You know, way maker, promise keeper. You know, one of the promises Jesus gave us, life's tough. That's not to be negative or downcast, but that's to say we have a hope and we have an anchor that's rooted beyond this lifetime, beyond beyond the veil into eternity. And that's what we should be singing about. And that's what we should be living for and investing in. We should be storing up our treasures there, not here. Okay. But knowing that too. Sorry. <laughs> cut. Okay, that is nice. such, I love that you brought that up because what I think it also helps us remember is, hey, when something doesn't go right, don't fall apart. You know what I'm saying? Like, and furthermore, don't, don't worship like it's a transaction. Yeah. God's not a slot machine. I put this, this much worship into him. I'm going to get this desired result mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. for, or outcome. You know, it's like, and God, and you say motive matters. God sees that. Oh, he absolutely does. So if you come to an impasse or you come to a mountain, you know, an obstacle in your life. And like you just said, okay, what's the, what's the special combination I got to do to get the mountain to go away? Well, it doesn't work like that. Hmm. And you can be like, I can't believe that there's a mountain here. Well, yeah, you can, because I told you there was going to be. So how do you interact with me? Because I can make the mountain go away. Mm -hmm. Drop of a hat. It's no big deal. So if you shouldn't be surprised by the obstacle, and you know the person who can remove the obstacle, but you also know you can't do some like special trickery to get it to go away, what other option do we have? God, what are you saying? Hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I will say this. We, we were talking about this last night at an elders meeting. That is probably one of, that is probably the most pervasive theme that's run through this church for the last 40 years. What is God saying? And I know that that sounds very clear and obvious on the face, but every single one of our elders meetings when we come to an impasse or we come to a complicated thing, the question is, what is God saying? So you come to these moments where life is hard. God, what are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. Not what are you trying to say? What are you saying? Mm -hmm. not, you don't try to do anything. Why is this here? Why is this here? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. What are you showing me in this? I can't mm -hmm. be shocked. Like, I just can't believe that the, the funding's not there. I just can't believe that my kid is talking back to me. I just can't believe that my wife won't engage with me. Well, I didn't tell you it was going to be a walk in the park. Right. It's, I'm, I gave you a heads up. I also gave you some promises. I gave you some promises. <laughs> I'm here. I'm with you. <laughs> all my promises are I yes and amen. <laughs> yeah. My goodness and my mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So guess what? Don't freak out. I'm, I'm here. What, what, am I tr what am I saying to you? Yeah. You're going to have to, be, you have to stop crying. Yeah, for sure. Calm down. So you can hear what I'm trying to say, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I just think that that's a, that's a, those very, are motive revealing moments though. Whenever yes. That, whenever those are motive. There, like, it's like, the, that's, thank God for those moments. Very, yes. Oh yes. my gosh. The, there those have been some of the seasons that have tried and questioned my purpose for being in ministry. Sure. 
something comes up and I'm like, what the heck, God? What the heck, man? I, I'm up here singing my, you know, singing my singing my rear end off for you. Are for you sure. not entertained? <laughs> it's funny. Our, it's our natural tendency to go there, right? Yes, to, absolutely. My, my side of the equation is this, Lord. Where's yours? Hey, <laughs> self pity and self righteousness are Siamese twins. Remember? Yeah. This Ooh. is this this is this circle. It's oh the, man. The the self pity. Ends up working its way into self righteousness. I've done all these things, self righteousness. Yeah. That's and you haven't shown up here. R.T. Kendall. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And and I just want to say too, with this, like we're the shot callers, or you know, we do this. God, so I worship like this, and I did this, so I get such and such breakthrough. Any anything that takes control of a spiritual entity to get it to do something for the person controlling it is that's just witchcraft <laughs> it absolutely manipulation is. that yeah, that yeah. is witchcraft Idolatry, every pagan right? yeah. every yeah. pagan idol that's the function hello this particular idol wants to be approached this way you have to bring this sacrifice you have to do it on this day you can't look it in the eye like you've got all these very specific steps and if you do them all right, then you get something. If you don't, you must have done something wrong. Right. Well, I'm saying Man. too, like you know, you think pagan of worship. you think of um, like a pagan deity. Yes. Warlocks, witches, whatever. But they they, from what I know, I've obviously never done it. But it is like they are over some force and get it to do something for them to for whatever benefit or gain. Or supposedly positive <laughs> outcome. And oh. it's just like that's not with the Holy Spirit, it is quite the opposite. Man. He's in control and he's the shot caller. He is telling us what he has heard as according to Jesus, directly from the mouth of Jesus, who is one with the Father at, right there at his side. And that is and, and the Spirit of God is leading us, guiding us, and it goes back to what is God saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Dude, that second point <laughs> under psychology here, Phil. Can you read that one? That's that, that's really a good yes. a, a good commentary on, on Yeah. So the psychology of narcissism, selfishness involving a sense of entitlement or lack of empathy. Much of this comes from an immature understanding on adoption and identity. Although these teachings are usually true, being a son or a daughter is a gift, privilege, and honor. And I just want to throw this in there. If you're a son or a daughter, it's to serve a father. If you're a son or a daughter, it's to live in the ways of the parent that raised you. And our father is perfect. You, you really want to be all about his business. Jesus set the example. If he is our elder brother that we're co- co-heirs with, and he is the, the firstborn from the dead that we're following in his footsteps. And he said, I don't do anything or say anything unless I see the Father doing it. Mm-hmm. That's our role, too. Man, oh, Lord, help us. Well, we talked about um, this the, at the internship a lot as well. <laughs> That's why I wanted to highlight it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like the Lord doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't done himself. Mm. So if the Lord's asking you to give up everything and die to yourself, he did it as well. Which, again, if you want to contrast pagan worship versus Christianity mm-hmm. and the way we serve our father, pagan deities, you all have to do all the sacrificing. We don't. Man, you grovel, you do the dancing, you do all the stuff, and maybe we'll have pity on you mm-hmm. and we'll do something on your behalf. Jesus came and flipped the whole thing upside down uh. and said, no, <laughs> everything I'm asking you to do, I'm going to do first. 
I'm going to be the perfect <laughs> example for you so that you know exactly what to do. Again, he's laid it out. <laughs> right. It, it really is. So it's so exactly opposite of that, right? Pagan deities say, serve me. Jesus says, I've come to serve you and to give my life for you. Now, will you give your life in return for I've given my life for you? I've come to serve you. What a kind. Will you, yeah. will you uh, let mm-hmm. me serve you? Mm-hmm. And really that's the issue a lot of times is like we can't humble ourselves enough to receive the Peter's like, you can't wash me, Jesus. I'm not going to let you. He's like, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part in me. Sure. You have to receive what I have done. You have to let me serve you mm-hmm. and acknowledge what I have done mm-hmm. and admit that you can't do it. Well, the pagan, Woo! again, that's that, a, that's a, oh, man. <laughs> so the pagan worship allows you to, at some point, I've done enough to earn the, the pagan God's kindness to me. Right. So, and I will make one distinction just so, so that we, God's kingdom is what was established before anything on this earth was. Pagan worship and pagan religions are the perverse and the negative. Yes. For those of you who are fans of uh, Stranger Things, it's the it's the upside down. Yeah. It's the perverse. It's the inverse of God's kingdom. So where God says, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I haven't done myself, and I'll die as well, and I'm going to live a perfect life, and I'm going to give you all the tools that you need to live this life the way that I've called you to. The inverse of that is... Do everything that I want, and maybe we'll see. And don't come close to me. Don't come near to me. You couldn't ever, you couldn't even imagine how much better I am than you. Hmm. Like that, to me, I think is the, when I keep looking at this through that lens, it's so, it just endears me to God so much more because the misunderstanding that Christianity is somehow all these hoops to jump through and it's a bunch of rules, it's not. That's a misunderstanding. It's a perversion of what Christ has called us to. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, I just, I have to repeat it over and over again. Everything that he's asked us to do, he's done himself. Absolutely. He came to serve, not to be served. Sure. The pagan gods exist to be served, not to serve. Absolutely. They take. Jesus has given mm-hmm. everything. Gosh. What a generous God we have, right? Yeah, you know, the the gentleman. And okay, so to take this back to lyrics, our songs need to reflect the character and nature of, of who God is, and not make people enter into a pagan type relationship with the Lord, Absolutely. where they're taking and trying to. That's good. Um, That's really so good. That's good. So to 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 pull it back into lyrics, whenever we're talking about the distinction between Christianity and every other world religion, paganism, fill in the blank, we have to to make our songs holy and separate and different from the world's, um, they have to be set apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those, uh, how we relate with God has to be different. Those narcissistic songs end up putting us back in the role of how much do I have to do in order to get the thing that I want? We come back. I mean, we've all experienced it as we talked about it in a couple of other episodes, but like the church camp experience or those highs, emotional highs of like, I'm coming back to hit the well again. I'm coming back to hit that, you know, to feel that moment that I experienced that one time. Mm-hmm. Coming back to a moment in time, a place, fill in the blank. You know, we can sure. make idols out of anything. Right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> time and and seasons of life, um, worship back, experiences. Even back to Sinai, that songs. was the conversation they said is like, let's just set up the temple here, bro. Let's set it up here, and and God's like, oh my gosh, no, that's not the point. This, this is a place where I've met you, right? It's a mountaintop experience, but I have somewhere to take you. Right, 
We're not staying here. In 1 Kings 18, it says Hezekiah became king. His dad was evil. And um, he was a good king. And it says one of the first things he did was he took the bronze serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness and he broke it to pieces and smashed it, ground it to dust because the people had worshipped it for generations. Dude, that's exactly what you're talking about. Along with Asherahs and the Baals, you know, and all that stuff. But he took... I mean, I don't know about you, Even but I would like to see the the bronze serpent from Sinai just to at least see. Like, that's kind of cool. Well, but wasn't that but, originally that serpent was set up that when the vipers were in the camp yeah, that they yeah. could look at? So even even a good thing uh-huh. brought them healing. Yeah. A right. good thing that brought <laughs> healing and that God means, ordained yeah. mm-hmm. and designed can be perverted when it's viewed through <laughs> the wrong lens. Hence all the altar regulations we talked about. Yeah, we talked about it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> all, all the other stuff. Said, this verse chalks it up. I love when Jesus says it to the Pharisees. He says, in vain you search the scriptures looking for me. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Okay. Psychoanalysis of narcissism. And I'm, again, I'm going to read the definition again and then do, read the little blurbs here. Self-centeredness arising from failure to distinguish the self from external objects, either in very young babies or as a feature of a mental disorder. Notice that it says very young babies. And we've already talked about this, but I'm going to read it anyways. Oftentimes, narcissistic lyrics in songs can simply mean it was written by a baby Christian. This is not all bad. We do need baby food for babies. But babies also need to grow up. I don't eat baby food at 34 years old. That would be weird. Although I have sampled it recently. (laughs) Don't tell me you haven't tried those peas, those carrots, Phil. Don't tell me. Oh, man. Um, But I will add, this is why many Christian songs tend to lean this way. There is an intentional, in some spheres, attempt to evangelize and reach people who are young in the faith or new to it entirely. And that is okay. But again, like the life of David, we need to grow. It's okay to be where you are in your walk with Jesus. It's just not okay to stay there. I don't know who said that. Pastor Jimmy might say that here. Uh, I'm stealing that from somebody. I don't know who, so I apologize. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay not okay. Mm -hmm. There you go. And then uh, last one, failure to distinguish the self from external objects. And this is probably the big one, in my opinion. When we fail to distinguish ourselves from such a holy God, and forget to sing about him, what he has done, who he is, how magnificent those things are, we fall into the trap of lyrical narcissism, even if it is unintentional or accidental. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, Phil, touch on those examples real quick that you have on slide 37. Those, uh, I think those are two just quick, good quick examples we can mention in like... Um, just maybe some ways that the, it might sneak its way into our lyric Narcissism writing. and lyrics. Mm-hmm. lyrics. So this is, ooh, excuse me, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A? This is um, a great article mm. that I found. Um, it's, it's, it was literally called Worship Lyrics and the Hidden Narcissism. I'm just going to read this. Consider the line, you are worthy of my praise. Great line, right? Well, let's let's dig a little deeper, which has shown up in a variety of songs in some form. Now, carefully reconsider the lyric. I did some checking. The Bible does refer to God often in this way. The Lord, who is worthy of praise. 
bunch of verses, which defines God rightly as the center of our praise. But in my searching, I couldn't find any scripture that says worthy of my praise. Do you see it? Hidden in that lyric is an unspoken self-centeredness, almost an audacity, which places us at the center of the worship experience instead of God. Mm. It implies I have experienced God and I have found him worthy. Hello. And while I believe the narcissism is totally unintended, it is there just the same. And I just want to touch on that, too. Sometimes lyrics are written because they just want to fill in uh, an extra syllable or they're like it will sing better with this man we got to really as a songwriter read your lyrics out loud <coughs> with no music before you put them out for all the world to see and just ask these questions is this coming across humble or is there a little bit of self-centeredness here is yeah. this coming off is my posture right yeah, that's a good point. It, it's a huge thing. Um, consider another example. Jesus, you died just to set me free. Is this a true statement? It is certainly true that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, and his perfect sacrifice as our Savior, as well as our surrender to him of our lives, Lord, gives us the promise of eternal freedom and security. True. But the word just in this context means only To say that Jesus died just to set me free implies that I am the center of my faith and at the center of my worship to God. Hmm. So, and and, and this person, again, goes on to give a, this is a very graceful way to tie that up. As a songwriter, I know the word just is most probably a throwaway word. Like I just said, a syllable tossed in to make the melody work. But tossing it in creates an entirely unintended meaning to the lyric. It points not only to a disregard of the larger theological and doctrinal issues, but also to sloppy songwriting. That was a little bit of an an intense statement there at the end. But um, I don't disagree with the main points that this person says here. And I think it's just it's it's important to be careful. Like we all experience this over text messaging. You say one thing and you know what you were saying and how you said it, but you didn't take the time to like really read it over or put that comma right where it needed to be or whatever. And off it goes. And the person either does not, they just ghost you or they call you back angry or you see them next week at church and they're like, (laughs) but it's, that's the way it is with our lyrics. Mm-hmm. And we got our really, 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 again, we're pastoring, we're teaching, we're evangelizing, we're prophesying, we're being apostles over churches and sometimes whole regions if your music is out on a broad level. So you really got to be careful. Yeah. And and just delicate with yeah. your with your lyrics. Well, in our in our group text that we have for the office, whenever we put new songs in there, most of the time, most of us go immediately to the lyrics. Yes. Like uh-huh. a yes. lot of times if somebody submits a new song, you know, as consideration for the weekend, I don't need to listen to it necessarily. I go read the lyrics. Boom. First Let's things look, first. First things first. Yeah. I want to know mm-hmm. cuz what I don't want to do is like get into it and if the production's really amazing and the chords are really, you know, vibey and all that kind of stuff and the person's voice is amazing, you can be tricked. You can be tricked real easy. So we go straight to the lyrics. And then also in our songwriting sessions, a common thing that we've said is like, okay, that's a really great line, but would that require explanation? 
Like, I know what we're saying. Right. That's good. But if this requires a bit more explanation for it to come across, either we need to rewrite it because we don't have that opportunity in the room. Right. So if we sing a line and we know what we mean, but it does require explanation, well, now we're sending out a lyric that could potentially be dangerous, or we're sending out a line that could be potentially dangerous. In my and Katie's relationship, one word answers mean one of two things, and only <laughs> two things. I'm not happy. I'm busy. So that's it. Hey, or both. Hey, did you get a chance to get the trash out today? No. What's up? If I'm normally answering, it's shoot, I forgot to, uh, I'm so sorry, do you mind putting it out? Or, yes, I put it out, um, and I got all of the stuff from the garage in there as well. Right? That's how mm-hmm. That's how I want to. But if I just say no, well, now there's all of this... <laughs> Negative space, man. There's all this this gray area where Katie can start to fill in and be like, excuse me? What the heck? You know? So I I think that's – I use that as an example with our lyrics as well. We don't want to send out a lyric into the audience or into the congregation and then be like, huh. So what is – okay, I guess that means this, this, and this. No, that's not at all what we meant by that. But if you can't – if you need to follow it up, then we're not communicating it the right way. We're not mm-hmm, doing right. it justice right out of the gate. And maybe we've had some times where we've been like, you know what? This is a really big topic that we're trying to attack in a verse. Right. Maybe we break this down into a smaller into smaller pieces because this is, you know, we've only got four lines in this verse. We can't cover the entirety of this topic. Otherwise, we're leaving a lot of stuff out and leaving a lot of gray area where people could be wondering. And when we're digesting lyrics of other people's songs, we've had that conversation too. If we, as a as a staff, are asking, "I wonder mm. if that line's weird. What does mm-hmm. that mean?" Well, if I'm asking it, and all I do is eat, sleep, and breathe worship music and worship culture, and I'm asking it, what about Dale, who's just attending on the weekend and comes <laughs> one point four times a month, right, and isn't inundated in all of the worship culture? What does he take away from that? What is he led to believe? Mm. So I think that's the... Dale from Dalhart. Dale. Dale from Dalhart. But I think it's important because those kinds of things, while it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, it's a really big deal. It is. And I just just, uh, wrote this down, but, you know, if if you are working on being not narcissistic, and dying to yourself and applying all these things in scripture that we're talking about today, as you write songs and choose songs, you're naturally going to stop thinking about yourself and your own needs as a worship leader. And I want to do this because it makes me feel blank, 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 or medicates blank, blank, blank. While I'm on the platform, I get that hit, whatever. If, if you're stepping away from that, you're naturally going to step into Huh, I wonder what my baseline is for people that's going to be in, in front of me this weekend. What do they need? What is God trying to say to all of us together? You know, there's going to be a selflessness that's going to come over your, your songwriting and what you're choosing on the weekends, and you're going to be able to shepherd and pastor your people better yeah. um, with what you're choosing, and you're going to be thinking of them, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the right way to go, go about it. And, um, you know, just to kind of 
land this plane it looks like we're actually gonna make it <laughs> yeah. um i just have a bunch of scriptures and talon you could just throw those up so people could see them real quick on slide 38 and i just call this one safety and singing the bible and these are all the scriptures that back up scripture and why we should it, this is just a small list too i might add there are many more of reasons why we should be singing what's in scripture um okay i can do one more slide or are we we're good you think we're good okay five minutes five minutes five minutes minutes. closing thoughts closing thoughts when writing songs try not to write based on your soul it changes every day it's like the weather yep but based on the word your spirit which is the eternal you the eternal us that needs the word for food, not emotional massaging. Engaging your soul matters, but engaging your spirit matters more. As you engage your spirit first, trust me, the emotions will follow, and they will be the right ones, properly grounded and rooted where they need to be. Um, I'm going to go down to this one because I love it. Singing scripture is powerful, and it is pre-anointed. I remember a really famous um pastor in new york city he's gone home to be with jesus but he was going back and forth about a message a sermon that he had prepared and he was talking with his wife and he actually shared this from the platform i heard him say it and his wife was like um hey sweetie how's your sermon going and he was like man i just don't feel like it's gonna be anointed i'm not feeling the oomph factor the anointing on the power on on the sermon i'm preparing and she said well is the bible in it and he goes yeah, of course there's scripture. And she's like, the scripture is always anointed mm. all by itself. <laughs> and he was like, well, I'm good to go. Like that, yeah. And he said it was a great message. So anyways, <laughs> wow. um, God's word and describing who he is will always be anointed all by itself. And that is beyond a mood. It's beyond music. Adding music is just a plus. So take care of your lyrics and... I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Till because he does a way better rap than I do, and I don't want to mess this up. Uh, as always, we're very thankful that you guys joined us for this period of time. Um, this has been an awesome series. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that we've landed the plane. Dang it. But Ronk and I were talking about it, and uh, you just should be added permanently. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. No! Yeah. Yeah. No way! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm being Surprise. added? So this, is, this is no longer what? a duo. Surprise. It's a trio. It's Whoa. a trio. So. He genuinely didn't know that he was being added. Yes, this is a, a, a true true reaction here. The yes. three amigos. <laughs> three amigos, man. So next week. Next week. Yeah. Phil will be back. here for all Phil of will be back, yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, as always, the three of us will be back next week to present a whole new batch of content. We have some really exciting stuff. We, we lined out the whole rest of the year, and there's going to be some really cool stuff that we get to do. Uh, over this time. Thank you for your comments, your shares, your likes, all of those kinds of things. As always, if you are looking for a church home, Trinity Fellowship, we're, of course, we're incredibly partial. We would love to have you as a part of our church family. Mm-hmm. We have lots of campuses. We have an amazing online campus. Connect with us through social media, all the various ways. It's not hard to find us. Um, but until the next time, we'll see you later. Yeah. Yippee!